1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. To you, it's 835. Welcome to 88.9 Moody Radio open line chat. Dr. Steven Sanchez is joining us. He's professor of Bible at Moody Bible Institute, and he received his PhD from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's published numerous works and reviews, and he is a contributor to the Moody Bible Commentary. Good morning to you, and welcome back, Michael. Or, I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll take that. Which Standing is, in for Michael, Michael Rydelnik. Which, which is why he likes me I best. Is that just why? <laughs> A.K.A. Yeah. So, Stephen, thank you so much for being here with us. I have no idea what name we're going to call you next, but we do have some questions for you that have come in, and we'd like to get started with this, if this is all right. So here's first question from a friend asking about Christ. Did he have half-siblings? Uh, were James and Jude his half-brothers? Uh, according to the scriptures, they were. Matthew 13, 55, uh, Jesus is in Nazareth getting his ministry going, and we read, according to the gospel writer, is not this the carpenter's son? People are asking, is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? And so the people seem to understand that Jesus had siblings, and they would be, of course, the children of Mary and Joseph, but Jesus did not have Mm -hmm. Joseph as a biological father, and so they would be his half-siblings. Yep. So, okay, I have to follow up on, on that one. So I, I understand that in, in the next life, these things will make sense to us, but I just can't imagine that Jesus is your is your half-sibling. <laughs> so and he never does anything wrong. You know? He <laughs> trouble. And he always tells on me because he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't get a lot of insight into Jesus' interactions with his siblings as a child we get yeah. I mean, we get none we get interactions with him and his parents when he's younger but not not inter-sibling you know rivalries or drama jesus didn't sin we know he was sinless and it is difficult to imagine what that must have been like uh, to have a sibling who was sinless if i can ask another question about his family you know um he's He's ministering, and then all of a sudden they say, "Hey, Jesus, like your mother and your brothers, they're they're all outside, and uh, they're waiting to come in here." And then Jesus says the words, "Wait a second, the ones who do the the will of my Father, that is my brother and my sister." And and I'm just thinking, as 
his half brother. I'm thinking of that. I've never heard it in that light before. If I was the brother and and the sister in that moment, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. We are your 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 family. Why are you saying that we're not? You know, Jesus is a master of turning the uh, the the obvious on its head to make his point. And in this case, his family were coming to get him and to pull him away from the ministry that he was engaged in. And his answer is, you, you can't do that. I have a greater priority than even my family. This is, this is a hard thing to say, but we are moving into Thanksgiving season. Sometimes family becomes the idol in our lives. Mm. And in this case, Jesus is willing to say, I have a greater purpose, a greater plan, a greater mission. And the result of that is people who are with me, who are following me, they are as important to me as my biological family. In fact, more important than 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 my biological family. And I'm going to side with the mission that God has set for me and those people who are who are joining that mission. It's a hard word, but it does keep us focused on the Christ who sacrificed for us. It's open line chat. Dr. Stephen Sanchez is here with us, uh, filling in for Michael Rydelnik as host. And if you've got a question, you want to get that into him, text it to us right now at 423-629-8900. Yeah, you can even call us 423-629-8900. And uh, Stephen, you were uh, expounding on this question, and we're going to keep talking about it. The question was, again, do you think it's possible that the falling away is actually the bride standing away with Christ in the rapture in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3? Uh, this is great. So at the break, we were we started checking different translations to see maybe where the, the conversation, the question was coming from. I was reading from the ESV. It uses the term rebellion there. We checked the KJV, a fine translation, if there ever was, and it uses the term falling away. Uh. And so that, that's where the trigger's coming from. That's where the question's coming from. This illustrates the value of using multiple translations in your study because the ESV translates the phrase falling away, rebellion, mm. which would clearly indicate that this is not the church coming to be with Christ, but rather some sort of disobedience. The Greek text here is, the Greek word is apostasia, from where apostasy. you can see we're going to get what word? Mm. Apostasy. apostasy, that's right. So this must be some sort of negative act that's being described and anticipated before the coming of the Lord. Mm. Do you think we're in that stage where people are deconstructing and falling away? Well, that's, I mean, whether that's this phase that's coming right before the return of Christ, that's hard to tell. But are people deconstructing left and right? I think the research shows and probably our own personal lives reveal that, yeah, lots of people that we know are deciding we just don't believe this anymore. Um, mm. That's sad, of course, in many, many ways. In other ways, it clarifies who's actually of the family of Christ, to go back to that earlier question, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, sometimes there's... Uh, there are a lot of people who are faking their faith mm. yeah. and these sort of hard decisions force them to make a choice. Am I going to stand with Christ or not? And mm. we get some clarity here. It's sad. So you, we end up instead of the lukewarmness, we're, we're going to get some hot and some cold. You know, that's right. That, that's the point of that passage in Revelation. Don't be in the middle. We love a cold drink. We love a hot drink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not, not that warm one. Yeah, and you know, uh, Jesus talks about something like this where um, he, he kind of combats the idea that, and, and forgive me, I don't have the text right in front of me, but he talks about not coming to bring peace, but a sword that will divide right. families. And I'm thinking, wait a second, that's not the Jesus that I've heard about on the mm. flannel graph, but it is. There are many Jesuses that never showed up on the flannel graph, <laughs> and that's one of them for sure. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword to divide families. 
This is Jesus who says, listen, if you're not willing to forsake your father, mother, sister, brother, children, and follow me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. These are difficult statements. But what mm. he's highlighting is the choice for Christ means rejecting many, many, many other things. Wow. And I just want to pursue this just a little okay, bit longer, sure. if you, unless you have another question, because with this, the following Christ is exciting and dangerous, and it gives us an opportunity to do some things that we never thought possible before. And I think those that are deconstructing their faith are thinking that it's irrelevant and has no bearing on my life today. It's actually kind of blasé and boring, where I'm thinking if you actually pursue Christ, you find out how magnificent he is and the power that flows through you can truly transform you from the inside out and the people around you as well. Yeah, it's a it's an incredibly sad situation. Well, how is it that someone who declares they're a Christian then decides suddenly, or maybe over time they've been working it through, decide, I'm going to leave the faith? And it's often hurt, pain, misunderstanding, disappointment with God, disappointment with life. Uh, and they're, they're not reckoning with the fact that Christ never promised a rose garden, as it were. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he, through the power of his Holy Spirit, gives us what we need to enjoy life, endure difficulty, reach out and minister to others. Without his enabling power, we have nothing. So the deconstruction doesn't make your life better in the long run. So we've got another question that's come through, and uh, they want to ask you this. Where are some places in the scripture um, that, that it talks about the grafting of the Gentiles in, and as that being a secret? Or maybe a I mystery? Think, maybe they mean that as a, it's a mystery? We do read about the mystery that's presented in scripture, the mystery of the church. We read about that in Ephesians. Romans chapter 11, we're going to see some teaching about the, the grafted-in nature of the church. Um, Romans 11, oh, seven, let's start at 17. If some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing of the root of the olive branch, do not be arrogant towards the branches. And so Romans 11, you're going to get some teaching there about how the church has been grafted into Israel, grafted into the promises that God made to Abraham. Um, the mystery we'll hear about in other places, but this teaching really is significant, right? Christianity does not replace Israel, does not replace Judaism in the sense that the Jews have no plan in God's future, no part in God's future. No, in fact, we are grafted into the promises God made for Abraham, to Abraham and his descendants, and we enjoy those benefits as part of his plan alongside those people who are descended from Abraham. So in that sense, because this has always been um, kind of confusing for me, is Israel, is spiritual Israel, I'm thinking that Christians are spiritual Israel, but there's still a plan for literal Israel, human Israel. Um, are, are, are we part, are, are, does all that come together or are there different plans? Like, what is this? You mean like how do the, the promises apply? God, you mean in the plan of God at the end? No, I mean, like when we're talking about the blessings of Israel, I always assume that as a Christian, I receive those blessings from Israel, um, whatever, maybe starting with salvation, um, you know, um, I don't know, that you're going to be the head and not the tail, um, you know, whatever those blessings are for, for obeying God, um, you know, I don't know. But as a, as a Christian, I thought I reaped whenever I read those things, how God blesses Israel for certain things that I am also receiving that. I would suggest that some of those blessings we that we must identify specifically with the nation of Israel in their historical context. And so the promise that you're going to be the head and not the tail, 
this is a specific promise for Israel, who is often an oppressed nation mm. and abused by their by their surroundings. I don't think it's a promise that I'm I'm going to move to the head of the line at work mm. or be blessed in life beyond the people around me. Um, I think when we're grafted into Israel, the issue is those promises of salvation, those promises of God's love and his care and his covenant relationship with us through Christ. We inherit those things. And the important thing, I think, to remember is we don't displace the Jews who first received those promises from God, and they don't lose their identity even as we're grafted into this new family and those promises. Hmm. I, I love that you're talking about that, and and you alluded to Romans 11, which talks about that same picture, you know, with the root and how we're the wild offshoot and we could be grafted back in. And then it talks about the Jews being grafted in as well, that natural right. plant being grafted back in to the root as well. And Because so, they were broken off. Yeah. The idea that they were broken off and then they come back in. Yeah, that's right. The, the the Jews who have not believed, there are Jews in the future who will believe. They have not been rejected. They have not been cast off. God has not abandoned them. He's going to come back and save his people. And so right now, we do have somebody that's on the line, and uh, they have a question for you right now. Uh, we're a little short on time, so what's your name and what's your question? This is Donna Dallas. The question goes back to Jesus' family. Uh, you did the first part beautifully, but... Whenever Jesus was resurrected, there is, I think, just one verse that says, go tell James. Was that James his brother? And if it was, after his resurrection, Jesus knew that James was on the verge of either believing he was the Messiah or he believed at that point. What are your observations? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can answer that off the top of my head. Go tell James. You're right. There are two Jameses. Uh, I don't want to guess for you there, so I can take a quick look. And we but can, take, or we can maybe delay it and answer it afterwards. We can yeah. come back. It's, it's, we can come back question. next week. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. that resurrection, I love that people, Jesus and his disciples, are together. They're watching. They're waiting for Jesus, and they want to get that word out as fast as they can. Go tell. Go tell them that he's risen. That's something that we're going to have to dive in. And one of the things I absolutely love about our hosts of Open Line Chat, if they don't know, they say, hey, I don't know, and I want to make it up. I want to go find this <laughs> yeah. out specifically from Scripture. Stephen, thank you so much for, for just being here with us on Mornings with Tom and Toby.